0: This morning I was thinking about that scripture that says rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn for we are all one body. And I was thinking, boy, there's no time more like that than right after a really close election, right? Because you got, some of you are rejoicing, some of you are mourning. And um, it, it, I was thinking today, because there's, there's actually, um, I mean, I don't know if you guys know this, but we are not a partisan church. And um, we do our best to preach the gospel of the kingdom, which should inform you whether you're an independent or a libertarian or a constitutional or a Republican or a Democrat, whatever you are, the gospel of Jesus Christ is called to form in us what would cause us to choose the greatest good in any given situation up to our level of understanding. Amen? And so, um, so we all have certain things that we go, man, this is the greatest good that I'm going to choose in, in, in the context of this moment, in the context of this platform, in the context of what's laid before me. These are those things that I feel compelled to align myself with at this time and say yes to this and no to that because of what I think can be accomplished in this moment. And, and boy, doesn't it take... The the gospel of peace, doesn't it take the presence of Jesus Christ and love for one another to walk together in unity while we come down on different opinions and votes while looking at the same situation? and going, this to me is the, I'm choosing the greater good by voting this way, and the person right next to you goes, man, I love Jesus too, and to me, the greater good looks like it's the other way, and um, in fact, one couple here that's been going to Christ Center for years, uh, he is registered to one party, she's registered to the other party. How's that for a picture of God's ability to do literally anything, and they are happily married, and they don't fight, at least we don't see it, (laughs) during the elections, Um, That they, you know, think about that, being married to somebody that every time goes, listen, no matter what you do, it will not count. (laughs) I love you. I love you. Good morning. Would you like cream in your coffee? Hey, canceled your vote today. Do you want me to take them into the ballot box? (laughs) Woo, that's intense, isn't it? That's intense. So at any rate, they woke up this morning and one of them was rejoicing and one of them was mourning. And they are happily married today. I think that's a I think that really is actually an important context for us at any given time, not, not to make light of the importance of us praying and making informed decisions in a democratic republic, we absolutely need to engage in amazing discourse and encourage one another and speak the truth in love and, and go after this together. If, if we weren't doing that sort of thing, then women wouldn't be able to vote right now. If we weren't doing that sort of thing, then slavery would still be happening right now. If we weren't doing that sort of thing, Amen so so that has to happen it doesn't mean just everybody just shut up and don't ever try to influence anyone else no of course that's ridiculous the gospel of the kingdom has been shaping all civilization since jesus came and it happens through us speaking one with another but the way that we speak one with another god definitely has something to say about that so don't ever hear don't don't may 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 we never uh miscommunicate in such a way that you guys go away with this sort of idea of like yeah Man, at Christ Center, they sort of love everything and don't really mean anything. So nice. That, that's nonsense. That's not where we're landing. That's not why you guys show up, is it? You show up because we are seeking to love God with all of our heart, all of our strength, all of our mind, and to love our neighbor as much as God loves us. Woo! And that is, that is impossible <laughs> without his Holy Spirit. But with him is possible, and we're working that out, aren't we? aren't we? So this morning, I just, I want to come in. Um, you know, I was praying this morning because to, to, to tell you the truth, um, like half the people I know right now are really bummed out and like pretty freaked out and pretty pretty worried for all of the reasons for why their, their, their vote for the greater good didn't add up to 270 electoral votes this year. And then the other half of the people that I know uh, are really excited because for the reasons that they're like, this is the greater good, they're like, okay, thank God, we're gonna be working on those priorities at least for the next four years. And, and I gotta tell you, honestly, I, I woke up this morning a little after three just like, boom, wide awake, knowing that I'm gonna come and speak to you about peace, about speaking peace. and And what I didn't wanna do is I didn't want to come in and in any way be patronizing or cavalier or, or anything, honestly, less than what we're actually called to do, which is to be the people of God who are extending the gospel of the kingdom in every way at all times. Um, and and so, so that's my desire this morning. So we're going to start with a video. There was a fantastic video that... Um, several evangelical leaders put together, Tony Evans being one of them. I'm a huge Tony Evans fan, incredible, incredible leader, teacher, and, and man. So I want you to watch this with me. I feel like it's a, a really great word and season for us. And, uh, and then we're gonna jump in here on speaking
1: peace. This is a time that has tested us as a people. A time when our country is grappling with isolation, disease, and division and a time when our faith is more This is a time that has tested us as a people, a time when our country is grappling with isolation, disease, and division, and a time when our faith is more important than ever. We know that times like these can create pressure and the potential to act in ways that dishonor Christ's teachings and biblical values. We reject these pressures because we will never compromise our faith. We know who we are. We are Americans. And this beautiful, imperfect country is our home. But first and foremost, we are followers of Jesus. We are one body, one church, one spirit. We won't stand idly by while religious, racial, and political groups are targeted with violence. We refuse to be pulled apart and pitied against any of our brothers and sisters. We are called by God to walk in Christ's footsteps, to be peacemakers, not merely peacekeepers. This work is not passive, it's an active commitment to serve as our brothers and sisters keepers no matter the earthly pressures. We won't compromise on our commitment or our faith. We won't forsake our brothers and sisters. We'll hold ourselves to biblical standards. We'll ground our identity in Christ, not in political agendas or parties. We'll use our words to build up instead of tear down, treating others as we would have them treat us. We'll respect and support each other instead of sowing discord and division. We'll affirm the dignity and worth of all humans as divine image bearers, condemning violence in all its forms. We'll build peace in our homes, offices, churches, communities, and in our nation. We'll be peacemakers.
0: Isn't that great? You guys are very quiet. I feel like that was a, a is a beautiful message that really is is always true for us. It's always true for us. But in a time where there really is sort of this sense of being called to have the narrative shaped a certain way, where you end up with like almost like a binary decision you know uh, where it's like if you if you think this, well then that means you agree with then sort of like this whole thesis that's underneath that idea as though as though we can't have a have a conversation about any given thing without agreeing to every single negative thing that one person brings up about that issue or the other. Are are you guys picking up what I'm throwing down here? It's this idea that, that suddenly you have to agree to a complete set of, of, of beliefs and everything in it, or you have to be against it. And it's, it's, it's almost like when, um, when uh, Joshua met with the, the angel of God, right? And, he, and by the way, Joshua was with the righteous people of God, leading them in the promised land and into the promised land. And the angel that of the commanders of the armies of God shows up and, and Joshua says to him, are you for us or are you against us? And the angel says, neither. I'm the commander of the, of the armies of the living God. I'm, I'm, I'm on mission for the king of kings. And you and I, we get to answer in that same way when people are saying, are you for this or are you against this? That there's there's often times where we actually say, actually, neither. Neither. I'm on mission for the gospel of the kingdom now. And, and, then, and then from there, it's like what I'm saying is we have permission to reframe things so that they are, they are in line with the gospel of the kingdom. And oftentimes, we are the ones that need to do that to where we can pan out far enough to say, here is what Jesus Christ has to say about this. And therefore, yes, I will take actions, but I don't actually agree to the terms that you're presenting to me right now. Are you guys are you guys with me? Sometimes people it's like the world is calling for are you for me or are you against me and we as the peacemakers of God are saying neither but I would love I would love to have a conversation about this further. I would love to continue to talk about how then shall we live? How then shall we move forward? But, but, but if you're asking me, uh, am I for you or am I against you in regard to way, the way you just said that like, the, like those that, like the commander of the armies of the living God, we can say neither, but I am for the gospel of peace. Are you guys with me? And this morning, I wanna, I wanna talk a little bit about that because as we're moving forward uh, in this moment, our mission doesn't change. Did you guys know that our mission doesn't change every four years? Our, our mission doesn't change every two years or six years based on whatever race is coming up. I, I praise God we're part of a democratic republic and let's stay completely engaged and keep going after extending the gospel of the kingdom in every practical way. Um, but our mission never changes. It's why we engage in this. It's, it's why we, we, we don't abstain from being involved in what's going on around us. We actually engage in it. But I, but I want to remind us this morning uh, from that, panning out, so we're looking at the extension of the gospel of Jesus Christ and how that shapes the hearts and minds of the people of God and, and is great news. So, so first of all, in all situations, at all times, we're called to speak peace. Uh, come with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind. The man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. Isn't that good? I love that. He's saying, I urge you then that petitions, prayers, and intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful, quiet lives in godliness and holiness. So we see that we are called to pray for all of those that are in authority, whether whether it's the one that you're mourning over or the one that you're rejoicing over, makes no matter to the Lord. He wants us to pray for people that are in authority. So that doesn't shift. So for some of us, you're like, praise God, I'm really excited now to pray for those that are looking to be stepping into authority. And for some of us, we're like, ah, geez, okay, I get to pra- Shoes on the other foot, I get to practice uh, what I've been encouraging my neighbor to do, right? So in regard to this particular married couple that's a part of Christ Center, <laughs> one spouse is now on one side and the other spouse is on the other, amen? You guys are so quiet. Are you guys okay? I, I want you to know that as I showed this video, by the way, uh, that in this area, praise be to God, I do want to be clear that I, I don't, We're not experiencing violence. I'm not worried. I didn't didn't show you that video to patronize you and say, hey, please don't go be violent. Just to be clear, I'm probably over-functioning right now. But I just am really not worried about you guys that you're going to go out and do something violent at, at all. You guys are incredible. And it's been, I think it's been good for us as a tribe actually walking through one of the most contentious election cycles of most of our lives. And we're still here. You guys showed up to be with us. Right? And me with you. This is just turn around to the person next to you. Just be like, you are, you are awesome. You guys are good. You're good. We actually seated you in a specific way, by the way, that you're, vote, you're sitting right next to somebody who voted the opposite of you. So we tricked you into loving somebody. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It was a dumb joke. I have more. I have more. So we're, we're called to speak peace. So here's this picture, first of all, that we're called to pray for those that are in authority so that we can live peaceable lives. And part of the mission of Christ Jesus, part of what he's called us to do is to actually live in such a way and be praying that we can live in such a way that our lives point towards the peace of Jesus Christ himself. Now, so, so we all get this. I mean, we all get this that, man, we should be speaking peace. And I'm about to go into Matthew 5, so you guys get ready here. Um, but, but I know for me, one of my core uh, motivators in life is belief. I need to know, yes, I need to know what to do, but I also want to know why to do it. it. Are you guys with me? Like, I need some motivation here. Why do I have to do that? I want, so, so, so let's just start here in Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 12 where Jesus begins to speak to the disciples. He sees the multitudes and then he takes the disciples up on the side of a mountain and, and, uh, and he, he starts sharing with them. And he shares with them, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied." Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. You know, as Jesus is laying this out, he's saying saying some interesting things here. But the reason why we're called to speak peace, the reason why we're called to be peacemakers is because Jesus said, to be peacemakers, because Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. The reason why we are always speaking peace is because Jesus himself is the prince of peace. He's the one that has actually brought peace between all of mankind and God. Everything about what Christ brought was taking these these enmities, and he actually took the punishment within himself to create peace, where there couldn't be peace, because we all sinned and fell short of the glory of God. And Jesus, remember this, is the one who, while on the cross, fulfilling everything that was needed so that we could have peace with God, is there, being crucified, as it were, by us, by our own selfishness, our own um, self-justification, You know, I was thinking about the argument against God, by the way, this is a commercial, but I'm going with it. I was thinking about the argument against God right now that essentially it's like, Lord, I've looked at everything that exists, I've looked at the evil things that happen, I look at what's broken, and I have decided by virtue of how I would do it if I were God, I find you wanting as God, so therefore you don't exist, which is to murder God. In other words, to crucify God. God, in light of how I would do things... I've judged the way reality works, and I have decided that you don't exist, which is to crucify God. Isn't that interesting? And this God, whom we crucify to this day in our own imagination, if we've decided he's not good enough or big enough or just enough, or whether we were in person there putting him on the cross, what does he say in that moment? Father, don't hold this against them. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He doesn't, he doesn't take that moment and go, well, you tiny little turd, and pop our little head. He goes, oh, Father, don't even listen. They, honestly, I'm excited that they care about justice. I'm excited that they care about uh, that, that, that the poor don't get downtrodden. I, I actually really like that part about them. They're acting like me. Now, the self-righteous part, they're doing that on their own. But, Father, they don't realize that what they're actually doing is crucifying the very one who came to bring them peace. Father, forgive them. Forgive them they just, they don't know what they're doing. And I want you to catch this. We are born again into Christ Jesus. We are born again into that same spirit. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Who is Jesus? He's the firstborn of many. Who are the many? Us. We're the sons of And daughters of God and we're called to speak in such a way that we sound just like Jesus that even when some bad stuff is going down we don't go father I call down fire upon them Lord burn that city down stop that person break that for whatever We, we do this father forgive them forgive them they don't know what they're doing Lord open up their eyes God, bless them. Bless them, Father. Let your kindness lead them to repentance. You see, we speak peace the same way that Jesus spoke peace. Amen? Is that helping? Doesn't that bring a fine point to it? To realize, wait, the spirit that we're of is that Jesus Christ, while we were yet sinners, died for us. And we are joining him in that same ministry of reconciliation, the ministry of peace, To us a son is born, and the government of peace is upon his shoulder, and of its increase there will be no end. You guys, from the time that Jesus has come until now, the kingdom has expanded magnificently and continues to expand. And we're a part of that. We actually get to talk about it, and we get to talk from it, and what we speak, we create. You are empowered to create peace through the words that you speak. Isn't that good? I am really spitting a lot. It's a good thing that I'm way back here. I may take a little sidestep here. Sorry, sir. <laughs> you see, we've been created to speak peace, and the primary way that we do that is actually by blessing, by blessing when we speak. And there's another way, and I and I believe that that. Uh, I want to just give you one, you know, how to start. How do I speak peace with really anyone? I want to give you one, it's certainly more than this, but it's not less than this. And I really believe that one of the key things that we can grab a hold of right now, as we're seeking to share with a world that, that actually at this point blames Christ and his followers for a whole lot of the ills in the world. Did you guys know that? There's a lot of people, unfortunately, the narrative in a lot of the world is not that Christ came and brought peace, although historically, it's undeniably there. Uh, Great book I want to recommend to you called Dominion by Tom Holland. He's not a believer, but he writes a book about how the fact is that Christ coming and what he did, whether you believe in him or not, has shaped every nation on earth at this point. And even the arguments that we argue, when you get behind it, you actually realize these arguments are two sides of a Christian argument that was brought by Christ that is not self-evident without the fact that Christ has come and shaped the way that all of us think, even those that would consider ourselves fully secular or or fully atheist. Fantastic read for you. So if you like to dig in, oh man, Dominion by Tom Holland. And as I said, he's he's not even a believer, uh, but he's a phenomenal historian. The point is, is that Christ has come, and he has come to bring peace. And I lost my point right there as I did that little book commercial. Oh, here we go. So as we're speaking to a world that is believing this narrative that actually it's Christianity that's caused all the trouble, that it's actually the Judeo-Christian worldview that's been repressing people and taking rights away and all these different things. And so when we're trying to speak peace to those that are around us, we sort of bump into this pretty offensive to us rhetoric really honestly we're like well here's the deal it's you and your god that are the problem you're like well, where do i go from there what do i do here and i want to i want to i want to draw your attention here as we close with 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 one thought don't get too excited it's going to take about five minutes to unpack this but with the but it's, it's a long thought but I really believe that one of the greatest ways that we can begin to be able to speak peace, to be, a, speak, to be a, a, a peace speaker, is even demonstrated here as Jesus is speaking in Matthew chapter 5, and it is the language of empathy. The language of empathy. You see, when I use the language of empathy, then I'm able to help someone begin to even enter into peace. Isn't it interesting, the way that we're wired, God has given us this incredible thing called the limbic system, which you guys are probably pretty familiar with, and when we're in a situation where we feel and we're in danger, then we have been given by God this gift of survival mode in that moment, and you go into your limbic system. And when you do, when you're in that defensive posture, you go into fight, flight, or freeze, You guys know what I'm talking about, right? So some of you are more likely to fight. Some of you are more likely to flee. And some of you will freeze and assess for a moment and then fight or flee. But we all have that. And that's a God-given survival instinct. And in this life, we've all had different experiences and things that are going on. And when it comes down to talking about the things that are, very, that are important for life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness, many of us, when we come into that, can find ourselves talking with someone and ourselves that we've been there too in a place of fight, fright, flight, or freeze. We're in this place of protecting what is important to us. And many of those that, we are, that we're meeting with, they, when they hear the issue of God or the gospel or how things are going in the world or what's going on, they're in a place of feeling endangered by that. And they go into that place of fight, flight, or freeze. And they're protecting something that's important to them. And so we can go, well, that's stupid because God loves you. And where did you learn that? Or we can embrace a language of empathy. Because here's what's interesting, by the way. Here's what's interesting. Why did I bring up this limbic system? I brought up the limbic system because one of the only ways that you can talk someone down out of that place when they're in fight, flight, or freeze, one of the only ways is to begin with the language of empathy. And what is the language of empathy? The language of empathy, when, you're, when, you, when you begin to receive that language of empathy, which is I see you. I hear you. I reflect back to you what you're saying. You seem upset. I, I sense that something I just said upset you. I'm sorry. Are you, I want you to be okay. I want you to be safe. Your, your tone changes. If, if uh, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's helpful. If somebody's really upset, you, you just kind of reach out and just be like, I'm... I notice some distance right now, and you're beginning to. What, what 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 ends up happening is when we mirror someone else and we use the language of empathy with a person, they actually begin to feel safe. That language of empathy actually causes a person to be able to feel respected, loved, safe, calm, and they begin to calm down. And you know what happens? their brain is able to re-engage and come out of the limbic system and go into their higher cognitive function so that then they can think beyond survival, think beyond that dangerous thing that seems to be coming at something that they protect, want to protect and care about. Are you guys with me? And here's what's interesting about Matthew 5. I feel like Jesus is actually using the, he's certainly doing more, but he's not doing less. He's using the language of empathy here. In Matthew 5, he says, blessed are the poor in in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Man, if I'm poor in spirit and Jesus is saying, blessed are you that are poor in spirit. In fact, in the message, he says it like this, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. You imagine Jesus going, it's okay. Hey, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. How many of you guys feel at the end of your rope (laughs) in one way or another? And Jesus is saying, blessed are you When you're at the end of your rope. Because with less of you, there's more of God and his rule. In other words, if it's not up to you, if you're at the end of your own strength and it's not up to you, you're more aware of the fact that God's actually got this. He's in charge. Man, that's just comforting right there. He goes on, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. They will be comforted. Jesus is sharing with the disciples, but can you see the the language of empathy there? He's saying, blessed are these things that the the spirit of the world doesn't value this. The spirit of the world doesn't care about this, but I I want you to know I care about this. And in fact, I've included you in my plan. And he goes on, blessed are the gentle, for they will inherit the earth. The, the, The world... The world mocks you right now. What are you doing being gentle right now? You need to get involved. If you're not outraged, you're not paying attention, you're like, yeah! And Jesus says, blessed are you. Blessed are the gentle. You will inherit the earth. Isn't that beautiful? Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God and they shall be called children of God. I want to encourage all of us as we, as we practice this week, as we go into this week, as we walk through knowing that right now that you're going to come across, and probably already are, those that are rejoicing and those that are mourning. In whichever place you're in, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are you. You're called to speak peace. So, so if someone is mourning right now, then, then listen and empathize and reflect back and talk about what's going on right now. What are you feeling? What are you thinking? Oh, I noticed this. And then what's gonna happen is you're gonna have the opportunity to point towards the Prince of Peace, to be able to say, you know, yeah, that's, that is, that's, wow. I could see how that would be really scary. I could see how that'd be really frustrating, not in a patronizing way. That's the spirit of the world. But in a true way to say, actually really value the things that you're looking at and seeing, and I I understand what's happening, and and it makes me think about that Christ is in us. It reminds me of the story where there was a huge storm that came up on a lake when the disciples were on their way, on mission with God, and a huge storm came up, and the Prince of Peace was asleep. Makes me think about that Jesus can sleep through any storm because he's the prince of peace, that even the big storms don't take away his peace. Are you guys with me? And then he spoke to that storm, didn't he? What was inside of him, he released. He spoke to that storm. Boy, that sounds like a whole nother preach, but I'm not gonna do that because Jason will turn off my mic. (laughs) Can you guys receive this message? Can you receive that you, you have within your mouth the power to speak life through blessing, everyone that you come across. And that, and that whatever, if someone's rejoicing right now or whether somebody's mourning right now, I want to commission each of us to realize. And, and, and then the election will come and go. There'll be another one. We'll have a new opportunity to practice all this some more. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. But I want you to know that there's a world that is watching and listening and waiting, and if you and I can embrace this as the people of God, that no matter what somebody's he's going through, we can empathize with them and walk them through and unto the Prince of peace himself. Amen? Once you stand your feet, I'm going to pray for you, and, uh, and we're going to wrap up. Lord, I want to thank you so much for this incredible people that you have called, Lord, according to your purposes, according to your love, according to your kingdom. Jesus, thank you so much for adopting us into our Father's house. Thank you, Prince of Peace, that you called us. And now today, even even in light of, of this word, Lord, would you, by your Holy Spirit, would you help us to speak peace. Lord, let us not go out and speak our worst fears. Let us not go out and, and speak vain imaginations of what could go wrong and how bad it could get or any other thing for any other reason. But Lord, let us remember the kingdom, the kingdom of which we're a part and the Prince of Peace, who you are within us. And let us speak words of peace. Teach us, Lord, to do these things. In Jesus' name, amen.